Welcome to Hop Radio, an NDTV Hop Life production. Welcome to Combating Coronavirus, the podcast where we talk about the global struggle against COVID-19. On today's episode, what if there is no COVID-19 vaccine? Now I'm Deepit Maggie. And I'm Priyanka Pant. So I know it sounds really dire, this premise, right? That, yeah, okay, what if there is no COVID-19 vaccine? Especially because all of us around the world are sort of waiting for a vaccine as, you know, a sign of things going back to quote-unquote normal. Yeah. But it's a real possibility and it's a possibility that there hasn't been enough conversation around. And it's a possibility that scientists are very realistically discussing. There could very well not be a vaccine at all for COVID-19. Or if there is one that's developed, it may not be within this very optimistic 12 to 18 month time frame that we've been hearing. It could be as much as, you know, four years, seven years, 10 years. Really anything like that. So according to Dr. David Nabara, who is the professor of global health at Imperial College London, there are some diseases that we just never develop vaccines for, right? So humankind just cannot develop vaccines or has not been able to develop vaccines for some diseases. So we can't make an assumption that there will be a vaccine for sure, even if it looks likely, even if things look promising, we can't just assume that yes, there is a 100% certainty that there will be a vaccine. So societies around the world need to prepare themselves for an eventuality where COVID-19 is just a regular part of our life, where we have to, you know, base our day-to-day routines around COVID-19 still being a looming threat. Yeah, so I I want to talk a little bit more about that, right? Why would there not be a vaccine? I think that is something that we need to figure out a little bit. A vaccine has never been made in a year to 18 months, right? The fastest vaccine that was ever developed was mumps, which took four years. On average, it takes around 10 years to develop a vaccine, but it's still a real possibility that there will still be no vaccine. Yeah, in fact, there's been multiple coronaviruses in the past, right? There's been SARS, MERS, and there's been no vaccine that's been approved for use against any of these other coronaviruses. Right. So it's not really as far-fetched a scenario as it may seem. Mm. Another thing to note is that, you know, vaccine development is not a linear path. And according to Dr. Nabaru again, you can have high hopes and have a great candidate and have, you know, a vaccine that's doing really well, is really promising. And all your hopes are dashed in one go when one problem crops up, right? So you're not dealing with mechanical systems, you're dealing with human bodies. And so much of it is dependent on how the body reacts. So it's extremely unpredictable. It's, it's very hard to prove that a vaccine will work for everyone and will be safe for everyone who gets it. Yeah, and I think, you know, scientists around the world, while there has been this sort of unprecedented global push to develop a vaccine, Mm. the fact is, you know, people are under pressure, right? There cannot be any sort of danger of them, you know, foregoing certain safety measures in the rush to develop a vaccine. Mm -hmm. So yes, time is of the essence, but we also have to make sure that whatever vaccine is finally developed is absolutely safe to be used in humans. Right. So I think we should take a closer look at diseases which have not had vaccines. So the most prominent example is, of course, HIV AIDS. In 1984, the US announced that they had identified the virus, which then became known as HIV. And back then they said a vaccine should be developed in around two years. Now it's been 36 years since then, and 32 million people have died due to HIV, and we still have no vaccine. And in the case of HIV, of course, it led to rampant discrimination against gay men with a positive diagnosis, uh, meaning a death sentence, as well as larger abandonment by the 
community, right? There was a lot of discrimination. And it's important to note that the search for the vaccine was on throughout. Like people have been trying to find a vaccine for HIV all these years. Bill Clinton, in fact, challenged the scientists in the US to come up with a vaccine in 10 years back in 1997. And we're still not really anywhere close to an HIV vaccine. Yeah, I think it's the prime example of learning to live with something, right? Of course, in the case similar to HIV is also malaria. But what experts do say is that they're hopeful there could be a vaccine because apparently the coronavirus doesn't mutate as rapidly as HIV or malaria. Right. So there is a silver lining there. Another example is dengue fever, which infects as many as 4 lakh people in a year, according to the WHO. In 2017, a large-scale trial for a vaccine against dengue was suspended because the candidate vaccine, which was shown to be really promising until then, actually made some symptoms worse. Okay, so the thing is, there are ways to manage diseases without a vaccine, right? In the case of HIV, you've got medication. An HIV diagnosis these days isn't an automatic death sentence the way it would have been when the disease first emerged. And that's because even though it cannot be cured or it can be managed with medication. And so that's something that scientists are looking into with COVID-19 as well, right? It's not just that they're looking to develop a vaccine, but they're also looking to develop drugs that may help manage the condition. What happens if you test COVID positive? How do you, you know, if you cannot prevent people getting it, how do you make sure that people are able to survive the disease as yeah. comfortably as they possibly can. And there's multiple things that have come up with that, right? There's been, I mean, every other day, I think we've heard of a new sort of therapy or a new sort of yes. drug that's already in existence yes. that doctors are trying to use to sort of manage COVID-19. Yeah. Most famously, there's been hydroxychloroquine, you know, which is... but yes. <laughs> yeah, which is traditionally, it's used for malaria and some forms of arthritis. Right. But there's been limited success, you know, in using it to manage COVID-19. And I think now we've moved past uh, hydroxychloroquine as a therapy because it's shown to not be all that effective. Uh, briefly, there was all this talk about plasma therapy as well, right? right? right, Pe- right. Using antibodies from people that have already had COVID-19 right. to try and see how it can be used to treat people that are already suffering from it. In the US recently, they've been re- reporting that remdesivir, which is an anti-Ebola drug, is uh, helping COVID-19 patients deal with symptoms. And this has wide ramifications, right? Like even if you find a drug that helps slightly, if it means that a patient can spend a few less days in the ICU, then frees up that ICU space for other patients, which means that healthcare systems are less overloaded, which means that there are less casualties overall, both from COVID-19 and from other diseases. So any drug that helps even a little bit is still really good news. But the thing with this sort of treatment is it will not stop any new infections. So we really, really Mm. still have to, you know, reorient our lives around COVID-19. Yeah, so that's my question, right? If there is no COVID-19 vaccine, what does that mean? Will our lives just continue under a lockdown like this forever? and ever? So that seems unlikely. Most public health experts say that, you know, a lockdown of this sort where everyone just stays at home is not really sustainable, both politically and economically. So we will get back to some sort of daily rhythm, but life will definitely change. Yeah, so some of the things that we're seeing nowadays, you know, working from home, offices working at a limited capacity, I think those will probably likely continue. Also, you know, if you do have signs of a cough or a cold where before COVID-19 came into our lives, we would probably, you know, just pop a pill and sort of increase our you know intake of fluids go in and you know just sort of go through the day as normal yeah i feel like now yeah people will be far more cautious probably stay at home there'll be that renewed sense of personal responsibility where you know it'll be incumbent on the person to sort of identify the symptoms if they are related to covid19 to immediately self-isolate and then you know follow the necessary procedures so things i think are headed you know as as many people have said before to a so-called new normal 
normal. I don't think that, you know, with or without a vaccine, yeah. chances are we aren't really going back to life as we knew it. Of course, and along with that, we'll have to develop public health systems that are incredibly robust and have, you know, provisions for contact tracing, provisions for quick communication in case a new lockdown has to be implemented. So people need to know if they've been in touch with the person who has COVID-19. People need to know if they should start saying, staying home now. And all of this information has to be disseminated very quickly and very clearly. There shouldn't be any room for doubt if we are to live in a world with COVID-19 and no vaccine. And of course, this will be more difficult to implement in poor nations. Even health experts say that, you know, high density population areas are a cause for concern. It's, it's incredibly hard and almost impossible to implement social distancing in those areas. Yeah. But the general sentiment is that even with all those measures, there can be some form of social contact, right? So they even say that something like sports could, you know, start up again. We could still have sports, but right. of course, we'd have to really build up health systems before we do that. And there would still be lots of restrictions. And there is always, always the threat until there is a vaccine that we'll have to reimpose strict lockdown again. That's just a threat that will be looming over everything, over every outdoor activity that, you know, is uh, allowed from this point on, unless there's a vaccine. Yeah, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, it is sort of important to remember that around the world, you know, some of the most brilliant minds are working collaboratively in ways that we've never seen towards one collective goal, right, to yeah. develop this vaccine. So it may not happen, you know, within the, these very optimistic deadlines of 12 to 18 months. Yeah. It may take longer. There may be, you know, difficulties that we hadn't anticipated because it is the novel coronavirus. I mean, it's yeah, completely it's new. We don't really know anything about it, how it, the vaccine will, you know, have side effects on humans. So, you know, there is a lot of money flowing in from governments, from private foundations, from research institutions, from academic institutions. There's all kinds of scientists around the world are working to develop a vaccine. And, you know, who knows, we could potentially be, be in a scenario a few years from now where there's multiple different treatments that are successful for COVID-19. I think the general sentiment is that there will be a vaccine eventually, right? We don't know when it will come, but it will probably come. Right. You know what? I think we desperately need some good news at the end Today of this episode. So Today more so than ever. <laughs> and in good news today, we have Surprise Banksy. Yeah, I love this. Have you seen the painting? I have not seen this painting. Please tell me about it. Yeah, so it's basically a black and white image of a young boy mm. who's holding up a figurine of a nurse. Right. Uh, he chooses that to play with over Batman and Superman. So, you know, it's it's right, it's right. Banksy's tribute to Britain's NHS staff and, you know, I guess healthcare workers around the world who, you know, right. we've said time and time again are sort of the frontline workers in this right. battle against COVID-19. The interesting thing is because Banksy is so super secretive, right. nobody knew when he sort of came and delivered the painting at Britain's Southampton General Hospital. But he left a note for hospital workers uh -huh. and he said, thanks for all you're doing. I hope this brightens the place up a little bit, even if it's only black and white. Just amazing. Amazing. So that was this episode of Combating Coronavirus. This is Deepak Maggie and Priyanka Pant signing off.